a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a rock. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very profound. Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, guys, I got to catch up with an old friend that I hadn't talked to in a long time. Her name is Grace McCormick. We knew each other when I was on tour, and she was doing a radio show, and I played on the radio show. So that's how we originally met. And then we have just recently reconnected. She does some incredible stuff. Uh, She is a producer, promoter, marketer, connector, innovator, and lover, of course. Uh, And she has her website, lightfinder.world. will be linked, of course, in the show notes down there, so y'all can go check her out. Uh, Has done some amazing stuff. Uh, so you guys enjoy this conversation. We, we had a blast. So uh, here here we go. Without any further ado, Grace McCormick. Well, ladies and gentlemen, extremely grateful to welcome my dear friend from a while back, which we will get into how we know each other, uh, Grace McCormick. Grace, how are you today? Doing wonderful. And it's just very hot where I am, but it's great to be here on Expanding Reality and see you. It's so good to see you too. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, catch up with you and see what you've been doing. So do you want to tell folks how we know each other? Yes, I'd love to. So uh, many years ago, I want to say it was probably 2006 Something like that, yeah. I was um, co-hosting Drive Time Radio on Arizona's alternative rock station, KWSS 106.7. And we did a really cool um, Drive Time Happy Hour. And we showcased musicians from all over the, it was initially the US and then eventually became all over the world. And they would come on our show at drive time in a little bar on Arizona State's campus in Tempe, Arizona, and do uh, live in between interviewing yourself, Brandon, we, um, you would play music. And uh, we even had metal bands coming on and playing acoustic music. But we met when you, of course, you came on the show and um, I think I teared up with one of your songs and you just had this beautiful guitar that you had hand carved, um, I think from releasing some angst from from a breakup, if I yeah. recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did it all with a screwdriver. I don't have it on me here. Uh, in the If you're watching the YouTube video of this, I will put a picture of it here. Isn't that magical? Cool. Isn't that cool, Grace? Isn't that nice? Uh, Very so- cool. Yeah, for the audio only audience, just it's a guitar that I carved with a tiny little um, eyeglass screwdriver. Um, it was getting, I was doing a breakup. I actually, and my audience didn't even know this. I used to be a touring musician. That's how I met you. I was on tour on the West Coast playing my music, and y'all uh, were kind enough to have me on your station and to play at the at the drive time happy hour. And it was really cool. Like you, you're amazing, and that's why we just hit it off, and we just kind of stayed in touch. And then we didn't talk for what 15 years, and then now here we are. Uh, you've done amazing stuff. I've kind of carving my own way through it here and uh it's just really cool to reconnect with you so it's um, wonderful yeah so what what are you up to now so now um my journey's taken me from you know co-hosting radio i went from am fm to sirius xm i had a show that went to howard stern's miserable men show um where I would go on and answer relationship questions, except the miserable men kept wanting to be miserable. And I said, guys, misery is a choice, right? Yes. So um, I went from there in music management um, to uh, driving off to the middle of nowhere, Iowa, um, with someone I was dating at the time. This would have been in 2013, January of 2013. I was planning to go out there for a month, and that month turned into three and a half years for me. And I became the director of media and PR for the Maharishi Foundation and their university, Maharishi International University. And they um, they teach transcendental meditation. They're the the big cheese, if you will, but not in Ayurveda. But uh, they're the the head of of the U.S. transcendental meditation movement that Maharishi founded. Maharishi was an accountant in India and born into a caste system as an accountant, but decided to rebrand an ancient Vedic technique called really Vedic meditation. He branded it as transcendental meditation. 
And um, anyway, I worked for those folks for a few years and then um, did some shadow work and decided to find start Lightfinder, which is a boutique PR marketing agency. And, um, and I've been doing that ever since. That's so cool. It, it just sounds like you've been up to a ton of really interesting stuff. So for the audience that doesn't know, we just go into transcendental meditation just a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So TM is also, it's also known as TM is again, it's this ancient technique that um, is really just meditating 20 minutes twice a day. Um, a lot of it's based on, on you know, Sanskrit, on the Upanishads, um, just this wonderful breadth of knowledge. And then also even Ayurvedic, um, like the diet, your doshas, pitta, vada, or kapha. There's all these things tied into it. But the actual technique is you close your eyes for 20 minutes twice a day, and it just offers this ease. And it's really of all the techniques out there, I still believe, you know, it's really wonderful technique. I integrate other modalities as well. But um, it's helped a lot of people. It has the most scientific studies behind it of all the, all the, you know, you know, in terms of the brain and how it affects, you know, people that have PTSD or women that have been abused or children that have ADD. And um, even the David Lynch Foundation, which is a, a wing of their organization, if you will, they had an infographic, which they don't. Um, David Lynch Foundation has rebranded TM in a way. They're teaching it in the schools in San Francisco and LA and New York and Chicago in lower socio socioeconomic neighborhoods and school districts. You know, I have heard of them doing this in schools, and I think it's fantastic. I think that it's, you know, because school systems, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm I'm not under the impression that they're anything other than just indoctrination camps to get you to memorize information that you may or may not find useful later on. Uh, algebra, guys, you never use unless you do something algebraic, unless you're doing something in the sciences. So uh, the importance on that, I, I would want schools, you know, or it'd be nice to see uh, them teaching you how to save and spend your money properly, how to garden, how to live off the land, uh, you know, higher principles of survival and connection to nature that I don't think that schools nowadays offer, but it seems that transcendental meditation inside the schools as a moment just to take take just time to just calm down because kids, I mean, I don't know, we had really cool childhoods growing up, but kids these days, I can't imagine what that's like, how stressful that is and how go, go, go and all of that. So I, I do like this integration into the school system simply because it just quiets the mind. It allows exactly. them just to relax. And, uh, you know, it seems like maybe later we'll get the gardening schools and you know, how to do your taxes and stuff like that. We'll see. Right. Well, and the cool thing, even about like Maharishi International University, it's, you know, they, they've integrated those types of things, even in their online ed. And like my first foray at that university, because I was, I wound up in their online ed department initially, and I was producing courses. My very first course I produced was on organic gardening with a Dr. Timina Suda, who teaches at Harvard. And here I'm, I'm diving into Ayurveda and the principles of Ayurveda and then I hadn't even learned TM at that point. I hadn't even done the technique probably for six months. And then um, further on down the line, around the time I left the organization, I did the TM cities, which is, they call it yoga flying. There's lots of interesting things online about it, but um, you know, it's actually, it's just, it's just additional um, sutras that are added in basically to the technique. And it allows for even more of a deepening. Um, and I think it's great and it helps a lot of people. It has helped a lot of people. My personal belief, especially where I like the word indoctrination is you can be indoctrinated into anything if you choose that, if you allow that. And some people like need that for whatever their traumas were. They need to like, you know, even whether it's Catholicism or Judaism or, you know, or if they want to be like join the Islam community, like there's so many ways to be indoctrinated. Um, as opposed to like, we're here on this planet in this lifetime uh, for, for a minute, really. And, you know, for me personally, I've really enjoyed incorporating all sorts of modalities, including, you know, sound healing has become, you know, had become a really big part of my life for several years post, um, probably post leaving Iowa, because I, when I went back to Los Angeles, after being in this organization, right, and I'm working for them and started Lightfinder, stayed there. And, um, and when I got back to LA, I'm like, oh my God, I can't be in the city full time after having been in a small town. And I grew up, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and a Midwest, you know, Milwaukee, which is a, you know, pretty big 
decent sized city about the size of Boston, but I lived in New York and Boston. I've lived you know, all around the US and all of a sudden I'm in this small town and feeling a little bit, I don't wanna say constricted. It's not that wherever you go, there you are. But at that time I felt like with my business, I needed to expand it. And how do I expand my reality into, you know, in, in terms of, and my business and grow that. So I went back to LA and I got there and I'm like, was in Topanga, which is just super sweet. It's above Malibu. It's the first Canyon road. And, you know, was doing my meetings and having, you know, clients being referred and, you know, just doing the things that I do. And then I'm like, I don't want to be in LA full time. It was just, it felt very constricting. And so my heart kind of led me to get a place back in Arizona and I was back and forth between Arizona and California for several years. And, um, dare I say, became very inward. Like, whereas, you know, the work that I do was more of like a, so people think of it as social, right? You're in PR, you're in marketing, but especially the PR side and on the entertainment side, um, you know, I lived a number of years very much putting myself out there to build a career. And then all of a sudden I'm, stepping back after learning different forms of meditation and going, I don't need, like, I, I think I'm, you know, intrinsically an introverted person, like that became extroverted because I had to. So um, where some people are just naturally extroverted or they're making up for it for some reason. I don't know. That happens too. I, I find it interesting that that's like a catalyst that then switches everything. Cause you hear about this, you hear about that moment that switches for a lot of people. And lately I've been talking to a lot of folks that that particular moment is very set in stone. It's their Kennedy or their nine 11 moment. You remember exactly where they were, exactly what they were doing that changed everything for them. So what was that moment for you? How did you uh, shift from what you were doing into this path that uh, ultimately in, in your mind, you know, set you free? Oh, it was pain. Of course it was human pain. We're like in these pain bodies, right? And all the different things we go through and experience, sometimes by our own choice, sometimes by other people's choices within our own choice. And then how do I heal from that? Or was I healing from it? And then all of a sudden I got to a point, like again, when I learned TM, which deepened my, my spiritual practices in my life and allowed for further healing. Except, you know, even like right now, there's things that come up, you know, I'm in a a relationship with someone it's been almost you know coming up on a year and we're living together and how does that um how do those things that come up you know because any type of intimate relationship can trigger you and can bring things up or from your past and from past relationships that were painful and i'm and so we can use that i want to say model of relationships and go across all areas of life because there can be things in business that are painful and rejection and um, lack of integrity from perhaps other people if you walk with integrity and are honest. So I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but circling back to, yeah, like how those things help you move through um, until maybe they don't and you find something else. And, and that's true too, right? I view these moments as just opportunities for you to be who you truly are. So no matter what state you're in, and sometimes the state that you're in has influence over your ability to see things with clarity in your goals, but it, it's a necessary part of that evolutionary process for you because these kind of things just kind of keep popping up or these inconveniences, these uh, struggles, they keep popping up until you manage them in a way that's healthy for you. And then you recognize it for what it is without you know losing your cool on it. And it seems, you know, I, I get the idea that... Uh, life around you is just a mere reflection of what you really are on the inside. I think there's a lot of validity to that. I would add to that, though, that those kind of interactions aren't necessarily a reflection of your true state, but there's something that you're choosing to uh, have come up in your life that you want to address and, and handle, right, with more grace, let's say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was, I'm actually a client of mine that's in the UK. Um, I started working with her a little over a year, a little over a year ago. And that's how my name change came up. As I mentioned to you, I, when we met, I was Tracy, but Tracy was a nickname that my parents gave me as a kid. And my legal name is not Tracy. It's very similar to Tracy, but they, my parents named me, then they nicknamed me. And I don't know, I never completely vibed maybe with either name, maybe my legal name a little bit more, but I only use that for like banking and legal purposes. Yeah. And I went by Tracy my whole life. Um, and then, I took on this client and 
one day we're on a call last June and she said to me, you know, have you ever thought about changing your name? And I'm like, oh, it's strange you asked me that. I said, because actually the night before I'd been laying in bed, I kid you not, thinking of my youngest daughter turning 21 and how I wanted to name her Grace was one of the names. It was either going to be Grace or Megan was like my, more my choices. And my ex-husband didn't like either one. And, um, and we named my oldest Brianna. And anyway, so I said to Scarlett, I love the name Grace. And she said, hang on a sec. So she works with this software program and she works with big brands, well-known individuals all over the world, rebranding them through their sound frequency of their name. When as a musician and, and no radio, way. you understand, right? What? That frequency is everything. And it's even there before we come into the world. That's crazy. And so she plugged my name, my legal name in, she plugged my business name. Like she said, if you're going to go by Lightfinder public relations, it's better than Lightfinder PR. But right now I'm rebranding to lightfinder.world because I don't just do public relations. Yes. And I'll, I'll link all that in the show notes as well. I have that ready Thank to you. go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so then it, and she she plugs Grayson spelled traditionally G-R-A-C-E. And it was fine. It was better actually than Tracy and, um, or Tracy Marie, which is my middle name. Then all of a sudden she puts Grace spelled G-R-A-Y-C-E. And it was like, bing, bing, bing. Like I won the sound frequency lottery. No way. And she's like, how does that sound to you? How does that feel to you? And I said, it feels really powerful. Like Grace McCormick. And so I took my dog out for a walk after our call. And of course this is COVID lockdown. I was in Milwaukee um, at that time. I had been back there for just a few months. Um, helping my mom out with some things. I got a place back there where I grew up there, but hadn't even had a place there since I was 18. And, um, and so I'm out walking the dog and my mother calls. I'm like, oh mom, this is perfect timing. I said, cause I just had the sound frequency reading and I'm gonna change my name to Grace. And she's like, young lady, that's gonna ruin everything. <laughs> because of course, you know, as a mom, you're like, wanna protect your kids, make sure they're making the right choices. Um, they have to make their own choices, uh, but you know, I think she was more concerned on a business level how that would re reverberate, um, literally. And uh, and then I said, but mom, this is crazy. It had hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, I've been conjuring this name change my entire life because I was always really athletically coordinated, but super clumsy, like walk into a wall, fall off a stool, just as I'm sitting on the edge, you know? Yeah, it sounds fun. And, and I would always, you know, be self-deprecating and say, oh, ha ha, you can call me Grace. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting. And and so I changed it on my website. I changed it on my social. I changed it everywhere that I could. Obviously, there's something still out there with Tracy all over the internet, but and from the work that I've done and people, you know, interviews I've done. But um, but so I'm sticking with it. I don't know that I'll change it legally because I don't really have to. It's an energy thing. Exa right? Exactly. Yeah. I think it's very cool. Well, good. I was I was curious. That's why I wanted to ask. So thank you, because I knew you as Tracy whenever you did the radio did. gig. So yeah. uh, tell me about your time in radio. What were some some great moments from that? Oh, gosh. Um, well, the first show that I was ever on was uh, I pitched myself basically for a, a job, a marketing job on an AM station called uh, 1310 KXAM in Scottsdale. And I got hired to do marketing and was, wound up on the air. That's what launched me into radio. Because prior to that, I'd been doing um, voiceover work and was in sales and marketing. And, and it was a blast. It was called Your Insurance Matters. And it was an advocacy show for the public on insurance issues. It didn't sound exciting because like insurance is seemingly very serious, but it was crazy. I'd cover the insurance story of the week and that would have to do with scammers. There's so many scammers and, and I'm not laughing at it, but it's just nuts. Like some of the stories of like little old ladies, like like harming people to get their insurance money. And, you know, we would find all these, you know, and I would cover the insurance story of the week. Um, the program director at that station liked my work and he said, you know, he goes, you're kind of smart sometimes, but you're funny. And he said, I'm going to give you half an hour on my show once a week. We're going to tape it, create something out of, you know, whatever you want, you're not getting paid. So I created at the time, Dear Tracy, um, the relationship expert, do as I say, not as I do, because it's easy to give advice to <laughs> friends and people we care about, but to sometimes apply it in our own lives. I love that. Yeah. As we're moving through our own, you know, different things from past uh, relationships, it's hard to do. So I took that all the way to the Howard Stern Miserable Men show. I also did it on the show that you came on, on uh, Driving with Gas. 
And then Kevin, I, I met Kevin crazy enough. We met on an online dating site, but we never dated. We just had lunch and I, we realized we both did radio and we became friends and we did radio together for a long time. Yeah, that's Kevin um, Gassman. He was on the show. He had a great show. Uh, great dude. Tell him, tell him hi next time you talk to him. I will. I will. He's actually, I think he's in LA now. He moved back to Encino where he grew up and he wound up with Sirius XM doing something for them. I'm not sure if he's still with them, but Good um, for him. All the best, man. Kev, you're awesome, dude. Yeah, he is awesome. Mm -hmm. He's hilarious. Well, that's um, a cool meet cute story for you too. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was really great. And, and then I wound up, um, in LA when I moved to Los Angeles, uh, in 2009, um, I was on a show called between the sheets and we were getting like something insane. Like I want to say it's like 60,000 unique downloads a month. We were on um, iTunes and, you know, a couple other spots and it was a group of women in entertainment. One, one of my friends, Durga still sings with, uh, Roger Waters, Pink Floyd. She and her sister were backup singers for them for years. And she tours the world doing Pink Floyd music. Um, and then two women that work for CBS as photo publicists and one comedian who was like the entertainment tonight of Canada. And I know we just had a blast and it was powerful. Um, the tagline was the view gone askew. And we covered so many different subjects. It was very intelligent. Um, I eventually like left the show because it just didn't, um, I moved to Iowa, but overall the, the, the direction wasn't something I wanted to pursue. I guess put it that way, the direction the show went in. And that's when I got out of radio. And it wasn't like I, you know, people have offered me to come back in, but it's just not been something that I've, you know, gone back into. I think about it from time to time. Because what you're doing, what you create is such a great opportunity, again, to like expand your own reality, right? You're expanding yours as other people are in, in these conversations, expanding ours. That That's what it feels like. It's not even for anybody else. I just happened to record it and put it out. This is all for me. Like, that's all this is. <laughs> I learn a ton. This, is, this yeah. is, I'm expanding my reality. If anybody else happens to have it done as well, good on them. You know, I'm, I'm all about it. I just want to have the conversations I want to have and talk to cool people like you. And it's great. Um, so tell me about your film festival. You created the Edge Film Festival. What's that all about? Uh, it was called the Creative Edge Film Festival. And I launched it when I was in Iowa. A client of mine, they were like the main sponsor. And I did, I basically produced it, did the marketing and PR for two years. I still own the domain and the website, but I haven't, you know, I could take it somewhere else and launch it in a different city. It's just not right now where my heart's at. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was fun. And it was kind of a different model. I was still, you know, curating short films and feature length films, but because of the community that it was in and the size of the town that it was in, I didn't see it necessarily turning into like a Sundance, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah, and makes and sense. there are politics in that town. <laughs> so but when you've got like a group of meditators that come in with Maharishi in the 70s to a town of farmers and townsfolks it's like the perfect example of a lack of understanding because the town folks are threatened by these people they don't know. And the people that are coming in that learning this technique are almost like in their own secret society, even though it's consciousness based, how consciousness is it if we're not integrating people, you know, and, and that's what causes division. So it's interesting how the, to me that you look at the world, what we've gone through the last like four or five years as a country um, and the divisiveness and the hatred, but it comes from everywhere. It comes from like places that are consciousness based, you know, and, and that's sad, but that also goes back to the individual and their own traumas and their own, how they were raised and how they walk in the world. And that can be changed, you know, it, but it's about choice. So it feels like more than ever, there's been a shift in consciousness globally. I'm sure you felt it as well uh, with a lot more people. I'm going to hold air quotes up for the audio only audience. Uh, air quotes, awakening right now, waking up, all of that. Uh, so what do you think is going on with all of that? Are you feeling that as well? In terms of... Just people spiritually more more wanting to I, question and be more in, enlightened? Yeah, I, I, have, I feel, I definitely feel that. I think there's probably throughout time, there's been that, but we throughout time, we didn't have social media and we didn't have the ability to reach thousands of people at once. And now we do. So I feel it definitely there is. And then the next, you know, several generations coming up, but they're coming up in a whole different world than we grew up in. I mean, myself, I'm in my early fifties and I look at, um, you know, I have that 
the joy of knowing what it was like before we had the technology we do today and the way that we were we connect today. And I, dare I say, were they simpler times? Yeah, they were complicated in their own ways. Um, and maybe we think we might think that they were safer times, but were they really? No. So it's just that constant, um, you know, I don't tow that party line of believing everything I'm told. And I did when I was a kid. I was raised Catholic. I was, I want to be a good girl. I was the oldest of three and I didn't want to get in trouble. And and I definitely, even in my 20s, noticed that I was very much the part of me that had the rebel heart was always there. And I'm not saying rebel like rebelling against rules or society, but questioning and wanting a deeper understanding of myself throughout life, right? And in our how the world is and how we can shift it, you know, for the better. I watched my grandmother go off to Bogota, Colombia when I was little, like I was probably like a year or two old. And she took my my three youngest aunts who were in their early teens down to Colombia, went into the two poorest barrios of Bogota and worked for almost 25 years helping people that the government wouldn't even help. Like we smuggled drugs into Colombia when I was 12. We brought penicillin in. Damn. And she saw, my grandmother saw what was, where the U.S. was headed in terms of corporate greed and the lack of caring. And this is even before the internet. And she talked about in interviews, people interviewed her because she was, she'd bring babies up for adoption to the States um, through an orphanage. She had a school built in, in, the, in the barrios, she had a WIC program implemented for nursing women and infants before we even had one in the U.S. So she was like way ahead of her time for a woman that was born on a farm in Wisconsin in 1912. Yeah, your so abuela like, had it going on. So kind of this long, this strong line of women in my family that certain things are modeled to me and also diversity was modeled to me. You know, people that are, you know, the things that went on at the Capitol and with Trump and the racism and the outright hatred that's still very prevalent, you know, um, even a friend of mine that I haven't seen in years, we went to, we knew each other from college from Madison, Wisconsin. She posted something on Facebook and her daughter is part Asian. Her husband's Asian American. Her kids have been raised in Portland. Yet some woman came up to them in the parking lot of a grocery store and was telling her daughter to go back where she came from. And the kid's like 13. I mean, what, what, what would drive someone to do that? Ignorance. Right. It's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's ridiculous and ignorant and stupid. Uh, it's ridiculous. There's no place for it anymore. I don't see why people are still involved in that. It makes zero sense. So um, on a, on a spiritual level, why do you think we encounter people like that? What do, what do you think those folks are here for? I don't want to say they're here to stir the pot and shake things up because it's just, you know, that would be like saying it was okay for Hitler to stir things up and shake the pot, right? They're, they're, they're here to hopefully um, create attention to where we need healing in our world. And it it's really starts within. And if that individual's not healed or is, is completely ignorant or has a lack of understanding, they have an opportunity to shift that. But oftentimes it doesn't shift because it's so ingrained in people from the time they're small. And it seems a necessary part of the dichotomy. You know, it seems like this is what this is what humanity is capable of, and you are that. You identify with this. There's a piece of you that could be that. Any like with a with a few decisions that you make in life and a couple of bad luck. You know, uh, it it does seem though that whenever you meet folks like that, it it seems to me, and like I said earlier, I mean, it's just an opportunity for you to to flip the script a little bit on how you interact with folks like that. Um, that's why in the end of the show, I always say buy coffee for somebody, you know, that you don't even know, just do something sweet like that. It, it changes like the ripple effects of things like that are massive, but yeah. the Hitlers and the guys that are, you know, and girls uh, that are annoying and here to challenge you uh, mentally, emotionally and all that. I, I think they're necessary. And I think they're part of the, part of this place, part of this experiment, you know, or this yeah, experience. I think it can come in like the weirdest places and times like I, I remember um an instance years ago when I was living in Scottsdale area um and I was at this at this place called Masters Ocean Club it's a very nice um restaurant and had dinner I was leaving to go somewhere else I was waiting for the the valet to bring my car up and there were a few people ahead of me and there was this woman and she starts screaming at the valets like a lunatic and berating them for not getting her car quick enough in the heat of the Arizona desert. And I just, you know, it's again, do we have a choice to ignore 
cruelty and people that attack other people or do we step up? Um, what, what, when is it a safety thing emotionally or perhaps physically for us if we're witnessing something? What do you do? In that case, I didn't think she was going to like, you know, physically harm the valets. There were quite a few guys there, but I looked at her and I said, you know, they're just doing their job. Like I was, I said it in a very even tone. I was like, but she was like over the top. And then she attacked me. She went like right up to my face and was verbally screaming, calling me like names and like buck teeth and whatever. Like, and I was just my, I remember just my mouth hanging open, like in shock that this woman who was, you know, probably within, you know, a decade younger than I was, was so ignorant. And it was, the valets were really sweet and they, they were appreciative of, you know, just me saying something, not that it mattered, but, um, but that can also translate even into like, I didn't experience in business over the last year. And, it, you know, certainly I have worked with a lot of wonderful people. Um, I'm doing some different things outside of PR and producing film projects and limited series. And I was involved with this one company and had a conversation earlier this year with one of the siblings of this company who literally went, I basically just said to her, my, my producing partner and I aren't going to move forward with, um, with your project at this point until we have legal agreements. And we'd had, I'd been paid a little bit upfront and, um, and then later on I had gotten a holding fee as a producer and um, the next thing I know, we're having this conversation where this, this specific sibling was saying, well, I don't know the difference between a producer and a publicist, when of course she does. And literally was pushing me out of this project. But it wasn't even around this. And this is, I'll be really like, you know, we all have challenges in life. And I've had my own challenges. And I've had financial challenges at times from, from divorce and post-divorce. And turns out they went around me supposedly this this group of people siblings and found out you know that i had some financial challenges by looking me up or having it i don't know whatever it was and they had no idea why they never came to me and asked me they instead went to my producing partner because he's a really big wig in the business and told him so he tells me what he found found out and I'm like, well, it's true, but I've not done anything illegal. I've not done anything out of integrity. I've had a lot of life challenges around tax issues from ex-husband, divorce, and those things. And I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I was fine with telling him, but it's personal. And I'm talking about it now because I'm using this as an example to heal. Because it was very painful that what I experienced with, with this company and that they literally didn't even think for everything I brought to the table to come to me and have a conversation. See, and with those moments though, so that was an opportunity to learn. It was, it's, it's shitty, right? But what did you learn from that? I learned that I can, I can move through it, that I, it's okay to, to have emotions around it. Cause they still do obviously. And, um, there's something that I was right. Like I, I like make notes to myself about life and this is what I, I thought of the other day around this. Cause you know, again, I can go to my ego with it and it wasn't from coming from an egoic place. It was coming from um, a human place. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause if you have a, how do we heal the world? It starts with ourselves. And it also starts with communication and communicating effectively with people. And I'm imperfect. I'm as imperfect as the next person. However, um, I attempt to communicate with integrity and loyalty the way that I work so that somebody would go around me instead of coming to me that I'd worked with for a year and a half and like did amazing things for their project to play dumb and to, um, to denigrate someone is so wrong. But again, it happens all the time. It happens in, in intimate relationships. It happens in, in business. It happens just people walking down the street, flipping each other off. You know, if someone does something when you're driving and I, I bring this up cause I watch my mom who's like, she's a crossing guard and she's in her seventies, you know, this 
And she's like this great crossing guard, but she's like a lunatic to get in the car with. And, and I'm like, mom, you always raised us that if someone cuts you off in traffic, you don't need to get angry or chase them or give them the finger. You just bless them or bless yourself. Like, be safe on the road. So it's kind of like that. Be safe in life. How are we, what, what creates safety? Yeah. And that's what I do when somebody cuts me off. I always say that. I'm like, dude, just be careful. You know, we're cool, but just be careful. Don't hurt anybody or yourself. You know, it's a, it's a real, like I said, it's an opportunity. And that dude can't hear me either way. I've got no reason to, you know, do that. But it's still, it's for me. It's not for him. That's that's the point, right? Um, so with with all of the things going on right now, what do you think that uh, the future looks like five, 10 years from now, just globally? What do you, what do you think we can kind of expect on a... Brandon, I mean, I'm sitting here in Southern Oregon right now. It's where I am at the moment. And I'm looking out the window and I see all the smoke, you know, from fires, from, from the devastation of our planet and people that are still in denial of climate change. It's 120 degrees in Southern California today. Like that's not normal, right? So I don't know. I... I can only hope that because I don't want to talk about politics necessarily, but that the people that are representing our country, at least the U S right now, and then globally have more consciousness around making like drastic changes on the planet and reversing some of the Trump policies, which they're already, you know, that's being done. Um, I feel COVID uh, was a great opportunity for people that, never knew how to slow down to perhaps slow down. And, and those people that had that opportunity to experience something different, some of them were going crazy and were so happy when they didn't have to wear their masks or they, whatever it might be, or didn't care. Um, and then on the flip side of that, you know, um, there's people that really realized what the value of life is and their families and, having that quiet time to kind of go inward. That's something that I found very interesting with this whole thing, no matter what you think it is, because uh, you and I think a little bit differently on that stuff, so we won't get into it. Um, but I'm grateful that you uh, can express yourself uh, the way that you feel. But with the uh, lockdowns and all that kind of stuff, what I found, is, especially in a lot of people I've had on here, people finish their books. You know, People were like doing these projects and starting this business that they never had time or felt that they never had time for before. Like, There's a lot of beautiful things that came out of this. A lot of people started reading spiritual books. A lot of people... I uh, started doing uh, playing an instrument. I mean, it's a lot of people, like I said, finished or started writing their books. I mean, it's it's a really interesting thing that happened with all of this. Um, and that's why conspiratorial, you can go down some really deep rabbit holes with that kind of stuff. Uh, I've got, but I, I tend to um, stay a little bit more optimistic with it these days. I don't go down the dark stuff very often. I will kind of open that door, just peek into it a little quick and be like, oh, it's still crazy in there. Okay, got it. Um, but, you know, I've moved on kind of like you to just doing a little more lighthearted stuff, a little bit more soul searching, a little bit more, um, you know, helping helping out. So do you feel that um, spiritual awakening, the planet, like that that's your responsibility, that it's our responsibility here to heal the planet? Or is it more of a personal experience type of a thing, like a ride? Is it that reductive? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we all have a responsibility to heal ourselves first because nothing can be healed globally until it starts within there's like they're just that i'm gonna say simple because it's not so simple of self-love like that piece of having healthy boundaries of um you know helping other people you know volunteering doing those kind of things but you know people can do the you know they can volunteer or do all these wonderful things all day long yet are they walking that talk in how they speak and how they think and how they and their other actions so again, I think it starts within and then can expand out because so many people are doing incredible work to help others that nobody will even ever hear about. Um, my late client, Jerry Yellen, Captain Jerry Yellen, he flew the final mission of World War II. And he, was, he passed away in 2017, great book written about him called The Last Fighter Pilot. And my um, producing partners and I are gonna be doing a limited series on Jerry's life. and. Scarlett Johansson's granduncle, our Black Widow, you know, yeah. <laughs> premiered this weekend. And her granduncle was his wingman. And, his, and he flew the final mission of World War II with Jerry and was the last vet killed in action in World War II. So anyway, long story long, Jerry and I worked together for four years. And it was a gift to work with him and learn from him. And one of the most impactful things he ever said to me was just do something kind once a day and don't tell anybody about it. 
And some people walk throughout their lives doing things, kind things, right? And don't say a word and they just, that's how they live. And I think that's beautiful. And that is healing in itself. Yeah, because you want to do that from the heart and expressing it or talking about it, it's not, not it, you know, it breaks the altruism down just a little bit. Now, to something that you said also um, about being able to heal from trauma, do you think that we ever get to a point or anyone can achieve a point to where you stay empathetic and you don't, you know, become cold hearted, but you don't let anything negatively affect you to where, because it's the ultimate trauma healing, right? Healing trauma before it starts, not allowing yourself to be in a position to where you're susceptible to the kind of things that need to be healed later. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I feel that you know, everyone, as long as we're in this human brain body has trauma on some level or some form of PTSD some much more extreme than others. Um, and we can think we've done our work, so to speak, or you, like whatever language we want to describe that in, but then something can come up and we're like, oh my gosh, no, we have more work to do on the self. Like, and again, that carries over into everything we do. Yet, you know, I'm not a big, say, fan of Byron Katie. Let's, and I'll say that, you know, I think she's done a lot of incredible work, but Basically, it's the way the way that I interpret her teachings are, you know, you like almost like you bring everything to you. So, no, children don't ask to be abused. People don't ask to be abused. There's like aspects of certain teachings where. And I don't even know that I believe in karma anymore. It's just about being in the world and being a good person. As horrible as it is, some would argue that children do ask to be abused. Now, hear me out on this, because this is not going to sound like what it sounds like. It's a higher self thing. It's a soul contract type of a deal. I, I had a conversation with somebody that was talking about a baby, a ghost baby that she saw, that uh, Laura Van Tyne, actually. She wrote a wonderful book, Soul Trap. Ooh, I'll go ahead and plug her. Why not? Uh, she just sent it to me. That's so cool. thank you, Laura. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she was telling me a story about a ghost baby that was killed um, by exposure because it was left outside by his parents who were too high. Now, uh, that speaks to the soul contract element of it because she then said that the baby told her, well, I was their opportunity to figure shit out, and they didn't. And so they failed at that opportunity, but I knew what I was getting into. You know, that's on on a level from us, three-dimensionally looking at things from a, from this low vibrational standpoint, of course it's freaking horrible. I mean, it is absolutely horrific and a, it's apparent, I, it's, it's horrible. I lose words talking about when you do shit like that to kids or to animals or to elderly or anybody, anybody, right? Anyway, so I, it does feel though like that there's opportunities in here that that's what they grant you. They grant you this higher experience that you also chose to have and you guys kind of like make a handshake deal on the other side and you say hey you're gonna kill me and then uh, you're gonna know what it's like to be killed and i'm gonna provide that experience for you and then i'm gonna go play with somebody else over here so it's like this quick you know the soul contract element and the ripple effects of that and how deep that goes is is far 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 reaching but of course you you want to create a world that that doesn't exist in at all where no soul, soul contracts need to be made for those kind of lessons to be learned on this side Mm -hmm. are you Which, a go ahead yeah no and even you know I, I definitely believe in past lives and i've read a lot on soul contracts and yet once we have an awareness around like say we're experiencing something where you want to talk to a shaman or a clairvoyant someone that does that kind of healing work and you learn about that it's an opportunity to shift that whether it's from the akashic records if someone believes that or if they on the flip side don't believe that you you know, they believe you create everything kind of around the soul contract side. You know, again, I think there's lots of different ways of looking at things like that. Um, and, you know, I had a, I had a, I've been hit by a tractor trailer in 2016, an 18 wheeler, my little mini Cooper. And I, I walked out, you know, pretty unscathed. I had a concussion, was really lucky, but later on found out that I had these entities attached to me. Cool. And had to have them removed because oh, not cool. I still thought, like thought it was leaving or... the body, right? Yeah. So they did a, she did do a soul retrieval and bring everything back in because there was one entity that was initially there, and someone tried to remove it, but doesn't do what this other person does. And when she went to go remove this demonic entity, she's like, "I don't know that you, that you would have been able to heal the way you needed to and to shift if I hadn't come in and done what I did." And it was profound shift. And so, but also it's a belief system. If we believe that it's like manifesting, if we believe like people have said to me over the years, you manifest things at a rapid rate. And then I started doing this work with a client, the one who did my name change reading. 
And she has a school, an, um, a, like an adult Harry Potter school, essentially. It's called Scholomancy University and teaches the seven principles or seven principles of alchemy, starting with perception. So well, how we perceive things and going into true will and going into creation, going into fear. We've been told, we've been told, like we were told things all the time in advertising and media, messaging constantly, family, the word fear, false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. Is that really true? No, it's made us want to fear fear instead of go, we can, we can use fear as quantum fuel to create. It's part of that creational vibration. That's awesome. Quantum fuel. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's been kind of a cool experience. I mean, I met my sweetheart when I was in true will, you know, and, and it was kind of perfect and was timing too, you know, for both of us. Um, but, you know, there's times there's things like I look at myself, where am I blocked? I always want to look to myself first. How am I creating what's happening? What's my part in it is again, like you say, is it a soul contract or what is this that I can shift? And, and I will continue to work on myself individually till the day that I leave this planet, because in doing so, I'll have a fuller, richer experience as a human. And hopefully the people that are in my life will have the benefit of that too. You know, how we can all help each other and let whole or walking each other home because we really are the people that are in our lives. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that that is absolutely the truth. And I think you have an opportunity to, to help each other, which raises the vibration of the planet. But it's again, it's very personal, but it's also on a macro and a micro level. It's it's this crazy cool ride. I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it, to be honest with you. And I get to talk to cool people like you. And I'm grateful that uh, we reconnected. So that's awesome. Yeah, well, thank you for creating that. You like when you shared that photo. And, that was fun. And, yeah. Uh, the old yeah. days, it popped up as a memory. I'm not on social media very much, uh, but I saw it real quick and I was like, hey girl, check this out. Remember that? And, uh, and that's how we reconnected. And it's been beautiful. Uh, we just kind of took two different paths in woods and just found out a way to meet up a little later on. So um, we'll wrap it up here in a little bit, but tell me a little bit about your Lightfinder. Thank you um, for asking. So Lightfinder initially was started um, to find the light in the darkness and create a higher vibration there. And it uh, I launched it as a PR agency, but also doing marketing, um, social media, which I tend to stay away from at this point. Cause it's just its own full-time job basically. Um, but worked, I've worked with clients from multimillion dollar retailers to companies that apply water jet technology to architecture and design to veterans, to entertainment celebs, president Carter and the Carter center. I worked on a project with on behalf of a client. Um, curating 95% of this cool music birthday montage video that went to the president last year. Um, and, you know, and that is, an, it's its own journey. It's almost eight years that I've been doing this. And there's times where people are like, well, you do PR, you can spin things. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not about spinning things. Like I don't, I wouldn't want to work with Charlie Sheen and have to like spin his, you know, uh, winning. But, yeah. But for instance, a client of mine right now, I adore her name's Ruth Mendelson. I think I sent you info on her and she's, she's been on staff at Berkeley College of Music for 25 years. She created a film scoring department, the first woman in the history of Berkeley to create that department. And she wrote a book in, in Indie published last year. It's called The Water Tree Way. And it's like the shamanic journey. It's like a dream state of this 10 year old girl um, relating to her parents, her world around her and throughout the journey of the book, there's these animals that show up, even a mosquito, who you really don't like mosquitoes because they bite us, right? But it's a reminder. So all these, it's a very, very Native American in style. Um, but I'm working with her and I'm, I don't just do the, the media placements. I'm trying to get her with a bigger publisher, trying to get her a lit agent because she's got a couple other books in her, um, building her, she, you know, helping her on a business development level. I'm really passionate about business development. And I've worked with a number of nonprofits too, and, and Trifecta founded a nonprofit. So all those apply or applicable into, into Lightfinder. But in the rebranding of Lightfinder, going from Lightfinder PR to Lightfinder World, it's because I'm not just doing those pieces. Um, it's you know bringing in the film and limited series production side of things, and you know whatever else I want to create. Yeah, good call. I think that's great. I mean, it's wonderful. And everything you're doing is just really, really cool. It's just so nice, like I said, to catch up with you, but to see that you're doing so great and you got a beautiful smile on your face. It's wonderful. 
Thank you, Brandon. So yeah. cool. And are, are you still playing that guitar? Uh, I, I have this one over here now. Uh, I actually would burn that one. So uh, that one, yeah, I'll, take, I'll dust it off every now and then and play. I haven't really done much with it, but I've been having the, you know, it's always an itch you can't scratch kind of a thing. You know, touring China and the U.S. and meeting you and all these really cool things. Just getting to play the music that you wrote was a lot of fun. Uh, that was something that I thought would be my path for sure. And then just, you know, life, you know how it goes. And it's it's okay. I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been. But to answer your question, I still have that guitar. I And I, like I said, we'll put a picture back in the conversation back there when we talked about it. But um, yeah, uh, well, like I said, wonderful to see you. I will uh, reach out to have her on because I'm very interested in speaking with her as well. But uh, thank you so much, Grace. This has been oh, an absolute delight. thank you for having delight. me. It was really great to see you and, and see your face. And congratulations on your show that it's doing so well. And your creation is just you know, skyrocketing. It's very cool. Truly grateful. It's been incredible. So it just continues to surprise the hell out of me, which has been fun because all I just want to do, like I said, it's expanding my reality. That's all this is about. If other people get something out of it, I'm grateful for that too. So that's cool. Uh, well, Grace McCormick, thank you so much. We will see you again soon. Brandon. Okay. <laughs> Bye. So nice to catch up with Grace. I'm so grateful she's doing well and doing some incredible stuff. We will have a few of her clients on as well. She's She's got some incredible people that she works with, guys. So look forward to that. I, as for this show, guys, you can find us at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where the links to all of the socials are. There is a whole YouTube version of this as well. If you want to check that out, it's on YouTube. The link can be found on the website. I, as well as our Patreon, if you feel compelled to contribute as little or as much as you want, that would be wonderful. I, incredibly grateful to y'all. So uh, go out in your world this week, guys, and uh, pick up a piece of litter. Uh, pet every animal that you come across and be nice to everybody. Uh, buy somebody a coffee or a meal in line behind you. Just do something to shake up the vibe a little bit. Make things more amazing for anybody around you. It's a good policy. Uh, get out of the left-hand lane, of course, while you're doing all that. And just go out into your world this week, guys, if you take nothing else from this show. Uh, and just be good to one another. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time.